Oh, my goodness. Did you hear that? The Buffalo Wild Wings studio, Josh Helmer. The powers that be move quick. I have, I have, by the way, quick little sidebar. I texted my wife something like 30 minutes ago before I left the house, and she literally just texted me back and goes, are you still here? Like, <laughs> and it was something I kind of sort of needed, but you still here? Like, literally, it takes one look out the window to be like, oh, car's gone, but. I digress. If there is one thing, Josh Hellman, that I have succeeded in as a father, there's not much. There is not much, right? My kids don't listen to me. We had we had four girls over the house last night. Thankfully, though, um, they were they, they all. It wasn't like craziness in the house. It was like everyone kind of did their own thing. So it was it was nice, right? I found the end of Instagram Reels. Watched more ESPN coverage, read a lot on on Twitter.com about the uh, Demar Hamlin situation. So, you know, it was it was a good night. But I, I failed in that they don't listen to me. We don't go to games, right? If a family outing isn't, hey, you guys want to go to the basketball game tonight? It's like, oh, ah, you, ah, maybe next year. You you can you can go. You know, it's um, I, they they don't watch sports. Did I say that already? They don't watch sports, um, but. I have successfully somehow ingrained in my children uh, the love of wings. And I don't know how this happened. Maybe it was just blind luck. And for my eight, eight-year-old, she's not like a wing eater, but she likes the environment. So whenever it's, hey, what do you guys want to do for lunch or dinner tonight? It's always wings, Buffalo Wild Wings. So, Well, congratulations. Now, how often do I actually win that fight? You know, even though I have three on one, very rarely. Very rarely, Josh. But pumped to have Buffalo Wild Wings on board. How are you, man? How was your Tuesday night? Doing good. Good. Doing good. Doing good. And and what about yourself? Yeah, kids slept over, so it was cool. You know, my, I, I'm one of those weirdo – well, not weirdo, but I'm one of those people that digs having a full house. I like it. I'm probably going to come in here whenever my, my kids are gone to college and be depressed every single day. It's like, what's wrong? I'm like – my nine-year-old didn't scream at me and tell me I'm a terrible father today. But, yeah, it was fun. Um, watched a lot of college basketball last night. I had myself immersed in the OU-Baylor game, which I, I'm not going to sit here and complain about officiating, but holy holy smoke, my goodness. That was a horrifically officiated game for the home team. But then again, I'm a homer, so I, I watched it and I kind of accepted that um, – Every call that went against OU was going to make me mad. Watched Kentucky. I watched I watched Kansas and Texas Tech last night. I watched like four basketball games. Whenever it was done, it was kind of for me that you know New Year's Eve we were. Um, I was immersed with ESPNU covering the four team playoff, so I didn't really get the opportunity to kind of dive into college football on New Year's Eve, or excuse me, college basketball on New Year's Eve because I was still. All in on the playoffs, but you had a you had a wild finish. I I fully fully expected that to be called a foul at the end of the game, and for Texas Tech to have an opportunity to to take the lead in the final ten seconds, but no foul was called. And I don't even mean on the drive; I mean on the what happened underneath the basket. And then I don't again. I'm not here to to try to play coach. But I don't know what that was that Tech had drawn up on their last play because whatever it was, 
It did not work. And the bottom line, more than anything else, is it magnifies just every single game in this league is going to be a dogfight. Kansas Kansas beating Texas Tech and Kansas State destroying Texas last night are about as polar opposite of results as I think you could have expected. That was they, one. How about this, Josh? Did you catch any of that last night? I know it was on the Longhorn Network, so I was pretty much just following the updates. One sixteen one oh three does not do justice as to how one sided that was. I think from what I watched last or K- what I saw last K- night, K State basically scored sixty each half. It's unreal. It's unreal. Um, so college basketball very much front of the mind, and of course OU home tonight. Get out there. They need you. We need you. Porter Moser talked about it. Spread the word. Tell a friend. Take a friend. It's affordable. You'll have fun. Outside of that one guy who was mad that he was stuck in line, I get it. But OU, Iowa State tonight, we're going to talk about it a lot. We'll reset a little bit of what Porter Moser had to say. I also found myself a little immersed in what the Thunder were doing. But it it also, to me, I had a chance last week to do a show with a true – uh, diehard, uh, 150% NBA guy, Josh. His name is Rick Camlin. I worked with Rick Camla for, gosh, three, four, five, six days. So, in other words, there was a lot more NBA talk that I had from him that, that I'd even thought about, right? And he does a show every day on NBA radio. And he said something about the NBA this season that has his him frustrated. And I think last night was a good example of it, but I – don't necessarily want to apply it to last night because I mean the Thunder played really well and they won a game dominating one of the top teams in the East without SGA. So I don't, I, I don't, I'm not trying to besmirch that by any stretch of the imagination. And y'all should be as excited as you can be. That was an awesome win. But in the NBA this year, in the NBA this season, his biggest complaint has been whenever things start to go south about maybe even halftime or midway through the third quarter or even the start of the third quarter, the teams just tap out. Good teams are just, they're just, all right, let's let's go. Who are you? You're in the game. You know, it's just one of those where you have a hand. Think, think about the amazing comebacks you've seen this year in the NBA. There's, I mean, you can almost remember them all because there's so few. And it took, what, 60 from Luka? A 60-point triple-double to do it a couple weeks ago. So, I just I, – it's wild. I I think we saw that play out a little bit with Boston last night. I think we've seen that play out with, you know, maybe even to a certain extent some bad teams that might be kind of still in team tank mode. But Thunder really haven't done that too terribly much. And part of it is because they've been in close games most of the season. So, it was good to see them take advantage of a of a squad that maybe didn't – Maybe had lowered expectations because SGA wasn't playing. And lo and behold, Josh, Oklahoma City went out and dominated from the beginning. Thunder fans should be pumped. NBA should wonder what can we do about this product, this product where when things start to go south, the opposing team, the team that's behind, very rarely tries to scratch and claw back and get in the game. They start resting, guys. They start getting ready for the next contest. OKC had five players score 20 I know! More. It was crazy! That's it was nuts. insanity last night. Insanity. In, including Isaiah Joe, whom a couple people in my Twitter timeline basically had uh, in the Naismith Hall of Fame by halftime. I'm like, God, stop it, people. And then all of a sudden I started watching. I was like, 
All right. All right. Let's get that. All right. I don't, okay. I don't know. If, I don't think they have gold jackets in the NBA, but it was a fun night. It was a fun night of basketball. Though, with that said, the uh, the the fuel of this engine is is college football, and we are inching closer towards the college football championship game on Monday coming up. Todd Blackledge is going to join us in the show. I talked to him yesterday. We'll hear from the man who uh, was on the call of the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, Stephen Johnson covers at TCU, and we'll we'll hit a couple of topics with him. Because Josh, honestly, I mean, I just I'm assuming this, but I mean, we're, we're rooting for TCU, right? Oh, I definitely am. Okay, absolutely. Me too. I just I don't know why there there might be some that say I don't want them to be the first Big Twelve team to win a championship. Sure. I understand that. Maybe maybe others don't feel like that. They're actually as good as what we're seeing, and that's fine. I mean, I'm fighting that fight all week long anyway. But I don't know. I, I want to see him win it. I it, really do. It would be an incredible story. It would be a great story. And listen, we don't have to reset it for you know 75% to 80% of our audience, but a team that's doing this with a guy that wasn't even their starting quarterback to begin the season, right? A team that's that's doing this with a very similar roster to what they had last year. You know, there's a handful of portal additions, but not not like this, whoa, that guy used to play here and that guy used to play there. I mean, literally, it's TCU guys. It's pretty impressive. Well, it also, if we want to spin it back, TCU wins the national championship. It's light at the end of the tunnel. This can be done here next year. Okay, I've got a lot of prongs, not just off that, because I agree, but... I'm not saying it will be, but right, it right, can right. be. Right, right. And nobody came into this season thinking Max Duggan was a was a Heisman candidate. I mean, you should be honest. Or at the very least, the runner-up, and the guy that would have his team going to the national championship game. You say it's it's evidence that you can do this here or somewhere next year, and I agree. But... You know what we still don't have, speaking of next year, Josh, for 2023? A quarterback's decision? Well, true. I'm thinking I, I went. I pulled out a little bit further. We still don't have a schedule for the Big 12 in 2023. So here's how my conspiracy wheels thin, spin, and I want to see if you guys are with me. There's no conference schedule, and the idea is what? They're, they're, they're waiting to figure out what they're going to do, and I'm sure there's some conversations about if Oklahoma and Texas aren't going to be in this league in 2024, which I think we all have come to the agreement that they're not, how are we going to shape the final year of them in the league? Is it something where we try to make sure our best teams avoid them? Um, is it something to where – you know, we make sure that they spend a lot of time on the road. <laughs> they, are, are we sending them to places like Houston and in Orlando? Or are we just, I don't know if the term would be reward, but but are we giving some home games to teams that have been here throughout? I, all those things could be taking place. But in my warped mind, I'm still not sure that Oklahoma and Texas aren't playing in the SEC next year. And I can't help but wonder, just meet me and my the way I think about things. Because how hard would it be to just come out with a here's who the opponents are in the Big 12 this coming season? And yeah, I know. Well, the SEC has already released their schedule. 
I think they can make an adjustment. I think that they'll be able to make it. And I know that they've already run formulas for that in the future. But, I, again, that this is me. And so I can't help but wonder if TCU wins a national championship, knowing that we're not going to see a Big 12 schedule till fe- February, allegedly, and every day that goes by, my conspiracy clock is ticking. I can't help but wonder, Josh, if maybe that might even be another accelerant for the Big 12 to say, all right, our identity is now in TCU and these teams. We don't want to spend another year with our identity being these major – more people watch the cheese at Bowl than uh, prior to the playoffs than just about any other game, right? You're still going to be talked about in the likes of Texas and Oklahoma. It's just – it's the reality of it. Um, who, who was the report that had OU as one of the richest programs and Texas was right there at number three? Right. So for me – and again, I – don't fall for every report that you see because you never know who does it. But I, the Big 12, until Texas and Oklahoma are off to the SEC, are constantly going to be known for Oklahoma and Texas. Now, if you can get them out and TCU wins a title, or even with them playing for a title, am I overanalyzing this? Am I being, am I being the, the Joe Rogan type guy in the bar that you're just like, no, dude, it's, it's, it's the – it's the trails from the airplane, bro. It's just the trails from the airplane. I think until we get a schedule and kick off next season, <laughs> there's there's some air of, is this going to happen? I do think they're playing in the Big 12 next year and then off to the SEC okay. immediately after. So my idea that this could even be an accelerant to say adios in 23, you're like, no, 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 we're here, dog. You need to go ahead and accept that. I feel like we would have known by now – if they weren't, but hey, that's not just some guarantee either. Right. No. And I do agree with you 100% on the SEC portion of this. Right. They can alter the schedule like that. Yeah. I mean, and I think they even have, they even have guys in place. I mean, excuse me, guys in place. I have been told. They got guys in place. Too. They, got, they got dudes in place. I don't know if you want to say that sources, but I mean. I'm not just someone who throws S off the wall and sees if it sticks. Now, to the certain degree of this being in 2023, maybe. This is more vamp in here. I'm not reporting anything. But I've been told that by, by many, many people that the SEC has a schedule ready that would just drop right in place. Like, in other words, there wouldn't be a, oh, what do we do now? They're coming. They're coming now. It is, it is my understanding. They've already constructed it. That it's ready to go. Yeah. That's, now, I mean, that's smart by them. Now, some might say, but they haven't even announced if they're doing schedules or quite. Exactly. But for 2023, if something were to happen where OU and Texas are ready, or even, you know, 24 for that matter, they have their schedule, boom, ready to go. So here, here's the next question there. Do you think they have their mind made up on what the next step is? Divisions, pods. I, I think et that they're for the most part they do. I think for the most part they do. That's just again, from a handful you talk to SEC people and they would be, they would lead you to believe that this has been something, at least in what the, the pod division process is gonna look like you know, non divisions, whatever, they've had their mind set on this for a while. And they've got their their where they want to go. They just need to make sure that they don't get some A&M type of rogue thing. <laughs> Wait, that wouldn't work. 
Yeah, I don't it's it's fascinating, man. It's absolutely positively fascinating how you could overanalyze this bad boy to what it might mean for not just the future of the conference, but then in that the future of Oklahoma and Texas. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what I did last night. <laughs> like well, who's to say that if TCU wins this, it doesn't accelerate even the Big Twelve saying, All right, listen, what 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 will it take? You know, we we've got to move on, and you know Oklahoma and TC be like you were, or excuse me Oklahoma and Texas would be like you you're the ones that wouldn't let us go right I mean we we were ready and we we're trying we we're all about good faith so you know I I just would imagine that if if I'm this visionary that Brett Yormark uh, throws out there not him but just people talking about him right he's definitely getting the George Clive that way. treatment right and, and and I'm not questioning it I'm just saying. I think he's if he's really sharp, I think the first thing that you do is you find a way to make sure that the identity of your conference becomes TCU winning a national championship or playing for a playoff, the four teams that are coming in, and you try to make sure you're moving beyond that shadow of the interlocking OU and Texas as soon as you possibly can. Is there any credence to the idea that this is your Mark's way to stretch the Big 12 calendar to be a little bit different than all the other leagues? Explain. Explain after the break. When you say stretch, do you mean the unveiling of it? Or yeah. Oh, okay. Let's, let's get into that next because I think there's part of that. There's a really good question on the text line because I talked about how TCU isn't necessarily a team that is is made up of transfer. here. In fact, I'll read it here real quick before we go to break. Um, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Um, from, from the 405, it goes, wait a minute. They had eight portal people, six are starters. Right. I don't I think the only guys that they brought in from last year were the linebacker from Navy uh and one of the guys in the secondary. I get it in general, they've brought in guys out of the portal, but this past offseason. This past offseason is what I was referring to. And I think that they they had talked about it at TCU as, hey, listen, we've we've hit the portal hard, right? Uh Spivey's a portal guy, Brandon Coleman's a portal guy. Um I, I think even Andrew Coker, their starting tackle, is a portal guy. But from Sonny Dykes coming in, I th- I think this offseason, really what you looked at was what the uh, the, the linebacker, Johnny Hodges, was a dude that came in. But you also look, and there's a lot of guys who have been there, right? The Bud Clarks of the world, um, Kendra Millers, Max Duggan, Quentin Johnston. By the way, speaking of the Quentin Johnston Note, what did you uh what you make of the story this weekend about Quentin Johnston thinking about transferring to Oklahoma and his dad talking him out of it? Uh, I think that his dad might be evil. <laughs> that's, that's what I think. Could you imagine and, and again I know that some no. things didn't go right, but holy smokes, Quentin Johnston would have looked great in an Oklahoma uniform. Outside of the the sarcasm there. I think it's a it's a cool story of commitment, right? Uh-huh. From his from his father and for Quentin, and they've uh, reaped the rewards on it. Now yeah. this time, you know, twelve months ago, it might have been. There's a lot of people that would have said, "I don't know, man, that's a little crazy." If you can go to OU, maybe you should, but it's worked out, right? Exactly. All right, let's grab our initial time out of the show. It's the Plank Show on a Monday, and as always, hour one of the Plank Show is brought to you by. Van Hoos Fence, as my understanding is, Van Hoos Fence is still rolling with their holiday special. 
Um, we'll double check. You can call them at 405-735-1167 or log on to Van Hoos Fence uh, on – what am I trying to say? Log on to vhfence.com. That's vhfence.com. All right, we're, uh, we're talking scheduling and TCU in the national championship game. Todd Blackledge coming up at 10 a.m. right here on The Ref. You know, we're uh, we're 28 minutes into the show, and, you know, he talk about life moves on. We haven't really gone too in-depth on DeMar Hamlin yet. Uh, you're starting to see more people talk, kind of give you an idea of, of what's going on. His, his, I guess it's his marketing guy, uh, is Jordan Rooney, and he had made the rounds a little bit yesterday. I think he was the, I think he was the first guy on Twitter that that said, "Hey, his vitals are looking good." Um, his his uncle spoke last night, but here was Jordan Rooney on where we are right now with Tamar Hamlin. Oh, hold on, my bad. And scene. His family's remarkable. I mean, they they are a tremendous group of people. Um, they're strong. I mean, they're, they're supportive. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're obviously they're worried. Um, DeMar's very close with his family. Uh, so there's concern. But as we've, we've learned, there is, at the very least, Josh, positive vibes, I think is a good way to put it, right? Positive vibes around what we've seen from the reports with DeMar Hamlin. Nothing... Nothing overly – because I'm a big no news can sometimes be be good news, but in a lot of instances, no news is usually kind of kind of bad news. So, you know, the Hamlin family sent out their statement last night. We, we had what the Bills sent out overnight on Monday night. The Bills will not have any media availability scheduled today, but they are going to have meetings and walkthroughs, so they're – They've got to try to move on with their season. And it's just, I mean, there's just not a lot of news right now. I can't think of any other way to put it outside of the progress has been made from the Jordan Jordan Rooney quotes that are making the rounds, right? Are you seeing anything more? Uh, just a little bit on sort of what uh, what happened to DeMar Hamlin. This, uh, this is the first time I've seen this that uh, Hamlin had to be resuscitated a pair of times. Oh, my gosh. Once at Paycor Stadium and once after he arrived at the hospital. They fear that uh, there's some potential lung damage that has happened. But uh, as his uncle and uh, – is this his agent? Yeah, his, his uncle spoke and said, quote, I know he's still here. I know he's fighting. We appreciate all the prayers and support we've been getting from people all over. Gosh. Dude, that's – and he did say, the, the the other report here, that's pretty dark. The positive side of it is that his oxygen levels have improved. Right. And as his uncle said, he's still fighting. So that's that's no small thing. That's huge. Absolutely. So we'll continue to monitor this story and bring you hopefully any positive updates that are out there. But it's been a it's been a roller roller coaster of different reports and emotions involving the Demar Hamlin situation. Um, no real easy way to segue, but am I in crazy town if I think that the potential of an SC or a Big 12 championship for TCU might pave a path to where the Big 12 is like, okay, we'll we'll do what, whatever it takes to be able to start anew now. Um, 
I'm not trying to – this is just a theory. There's no sources on this. You know, and, and maybe the financial incentives just aren't there. Maybe that, that part of it, Josh, that we've talked about quite a bit, the, the Fox TV part of this, that's a fascinating angle to this because, you know, they've got a chance to have OU Texas. And if they've if they're just peace out, then that that would lead to some frustration, I'm sure, on their part. Because no, 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 you'll get TCU and Baylor this year. Don't worry. Good matchup, right? Defending national, well, you know, defending playoff team. It's my understanding that the grant of rights, though, don't they? Unless things just get totally ripped up when sure. when the exit happens, don't the TV partners still own the television rights for? Until the grant of rights is over? Oh, do I don't know. I think in this instance, I think once they go, you find a way to financially make up for that or or not, right? It's just, hey, they're gone. So they're off to their ESPN, ABC, and I think one more year hence, at CBS. Hence the exit fees, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly, exactly. So I am just, I am just one of those people that more than anything else, Either give me a schedule for 23 or give me finality to this. Either let me know what – and I know it's, what do you need it now? It's January. You don't, you're right. You're absolutely 100% right. But for somebody who – for somebody who is just infatuated with content, it doesn't make any sense to me why this is delayed the way it is. Now, you added one other angle to this real quick before we break. What if there is this dramatic side to it? Where for Brett Yormark, he realizes your schedule's dropped in November. Nobody's talking about it. Nobody's talking about when your schedule drops in December. We're going to do something different. We're going to wait until February. And maybe this becomes something. And there's almost, dare I say, even a schedule release element to it. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much more dramatic you can try to make a schedule release. I mean, no. <laughs> there's not- but if TCU wins the national championship, it would help. Right. Exactly. And, and I don't think that that was in any way, shape, or form the plan going in from a your mark but as this sort of evolved did he maybe step back and say you know what this isn't yeah. the worst thing right maybe this is something we can do now and going forward because again he's described as this innovative sort of type in that's mind, right and that would one small way be an innovation from others mm. what well, the air comfort solutions texts and your thought on it Next, it's 9.34 on a Wednesday morning. Todd Blackledge at 10 a.m., top five stories today. Coming up at 11, right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. One thing that we that I've been working on for the last couple of hours is OU transfer portal targets and where they ended up and who's still in the mix. So we'll we'll hit that. I I mean, unless I missed something, Josh, I feel like all the receivers. Now I know Cephas technically hasn't committed yet, but I feel like most of the receivers have ended up somewhere else. And we'll see about the big Texas State defensive lineman. I also I can't find much out about where some of these dudes have ended up that are in the portal. So we'll do a little roster management to wrap up our number one coming up here in just a bit. But what do you say for the first time today? The Air Comfort Solutions text line. 
Let's open it up. What does the good book have to say today? From the 918. Isn't it time for some basketball talk? Like the Sooners beating up on the Cyclones tonight? Oh, it'd be huge. But it depends on who is officiating the game. There will be one ref helping the clones beat the Sooners for sure. If we get Sermon, God help the Sooners. <laughs> That's great. Um, is Sermon one of the Big 12 officials? That's got to be. Yeah. Got to be. I don't keep up to date on most of the officials. Listen, I can tell you umpires and softball and most of the officials in the, in, in, in the, the Big 12, the, the officiating crews. But you get to basketball, unless Toby complains about him. <laughs> what was the last line of that text? Um, unless if we get Sermon, God help the Sooners. <laughs> Um, this is from the 917. What's up, guys? What about the deadline of 18 months, December 21st, to inform the Big 12 of an early exit to the SEC? I guess they could have quietly told the SEC, but nothing has been reported. Just another thing we are hearing nothing about. So here's my understanding of that. So let's back it up, a little full context here. There was a deadline of December 31st that – there's a certain amount of time that you need to let the conference know. Yeah, formally informed. Formally informed that you're gone. And that deadline, if you were to back it up to the end of the year, would have been like December 31st or the end of the academic year or the athletic year, however you want to look at it, or whichever one is correct. It is my understanding that if you're in negotiation for something, that can be massaged, that can be moved around a little bit. So it might say, hey, we have – I, can I use an analogy for school? Sure. Your professor, your teacher might go to you and say, you have to have this book report done or this this paper done by January 4th, and it has to be in my, uh, on my table by 4 o'clock. We could go, hey, I've got a big interview for this. Um, I understand the deadline. Can we push it back to the 5th? Can I have the 6th maybe even – and that okay, you you got something you're working. Let me see what you you got this. All right, so you you're not just procrastinating. You've got something moving here. We'll move that deadline. I think you could see something similar here. Okay, I don't think that's a hard and fast date. Is is what I've been told. Well, and is the exit fee going to change based on any of that? Now? Yeah, 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 yeah. I I would assume so. It has to, right? Especially if it's coming from, and it's my mind, my mind. My crazy head here, especially if it's coming from the Big Twelve. It's like, hey, we're ready to, we're ready to move on, we're ready to, we're ready to become who we're going to be without you. I need to study back up on some of this because I wanted to say that the the notice portion of it, like the exit fee, was pretty comparable if you didn't give notice to what it's already going to be right exactly. now. So I think that's part of what it's at play here too. Is I don't know that much changes. I would also add I don't think I don't think that any of this is is out of a realm of potential conversation. In other words, are we falling into a trap of talking about oh you getting to the SEC with Texas sooner rather than later? You bet. But my theory that kind of makes this hopefully a little bit more timely is I wonder what TCU's run I wonder how that might affect the Big 12 and the way they're viewing things. And then also, as was brought up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, I think the last thing they want is, you know, OU and Texas being able to go Bret Hart 
to the WCW. They don't want him taking the championship with them. Two people got that, and that's all that matters to me right now. Um, for the 405, Mims, Farouk, and Quentin Johnston on the field? Oh, my. Boy, that would have been something, right? And it's gone. And it's gone. It's like the South Park episode. All right, thank you very much. And it's gone. And it's gone. Um, <laughs> if you, There was a report, and I don't remember who had it. I, I felt like it was one of the beat writers that Quentin Johnston had, had talked to his dad about leaving TCU and going to Oklahoma for his final season. Mm-hmm. And his dad was like, you've already got everything built here. Why do you have to rebuild things for one season? Stupid good advice. Um, Curse you. How dare you? Uh, does the Big 12 want to risk OU or Texas being the Big 12 champ walking out the door? Bret Hart. Bret Hart. Very good. W-C-W. Uh, Montreal Screwjob. One of the greatest stories in sports. Uh, yeah, but no, I think you're absolutely right. Here's a good one, and we'll break on this, and then we'll get to your calls. At 405-329-9000. And the answer to that question, by the way, is if the money's right. If the money's right. Does this affect OU and the recruiting and its recruiting if TCU wins? Maybe. Uh, I think that's a really good Parker Thune question. I know Parker is at the, what, he's covering the Under Armour All-Star game, or at least did last night, yesterday afternoon, which really wasn't too terribly much of a game. Kind of a Pro Bowl glorified scrimmage, and I was fine with that. I was absolutely fine with that. In fact, if they wanted to go without pads, Fine with that, too. But that's a really good question. You're seeing TCU get some guys in the portal that you thought Oklahoma might be interested in, but you never really heard a connection. So I, that's a really good question. I would think – I don't think by much. Not much. I would say that it gets TCU's foot in the door. Sure. With uh, a number of targets that maybe that wasn't happening beforehand, even in their own backyard, right? Yeah, exactly. You win a national championship, things – change pretty drastically but Oklahoma is always going to recruit the DFW area very very well it's always going to be one of the biggest pipelines to Oklahoma so TCU winning a national championship to me doesn't change that very much it gives them a chance to maybe win one of those against Texas and Oklahoma here and there and maybe an A&M but I don't think that all of a sudden you're going to see TCU clean up over Oklahoma for a bunch of DFW kids. Yeah, me neither. I, I think Oklahoma's still going to be really good in that region, uh, dominant in that region at times. All right, quick break. You want to get true sooner when we come back? Let's. Even though someone did say every time you guys say you're going to the phones, it makes me want to stab my eyeballs out. So <laughs> we're going to the phones next, bro, right here on The Ref. So I did just some quick pen to paper, and I think – I think one of the message boards, I think I heard Carrie or Josh talking about this on the unofficial 40. They have one of their posters that has been constantly keeping track of it. Uh, maybe I need to get a membership. Maybe it's time to bring back Jake Sills for life on uh, on the message boards, Josh. Or, I think it was Jake Sills fan. Maybe it was Jake Sills 8. Big Jake Sills guy. But I went through the transfers and – those whom Oklahoma in some way, shape, or form were associated with and where they ended up. Now, again, I think everyone would agree one of the hardest things to try and follow is the portal and who's got offers and who's going where unless a dude announces it, right? If if a guy decides that he's going to put out on social media that he's taking a visit here or 
that he has an offer. That's about the only way you know anything that's going on in the portal. And, well, coaches or those who are recruiting you would never say, no, don't do that. I think they kind of like being a little low-key. But Devon Spears has pretty much made it clear that, you know, he's in Norman today, the Texas State transfer. But here's what I came up with, Josh, and you tell me if you feel like I'm missing anyone. Okay on this list of guys that Oklahoma was attached to that ended up somewhere else. Dorian Singer, the wide receiver from Arizona, ended up at USC. Mm -hmm. Dante Cephas. Now, Kent State wide receiver, hasn't officially signed anywhere yet. So that's, I guess, still a dude. But Pete Thamel has projected Dante Cephas to pit. Uh, so that's two wide receivers. Ra Ra Thompson out of Mississippi State, already committed to Georgia. Uh, Trey Harris, receiver out of La Tech, on his way to Ole Miss. The Idaho State receiver, Xavier Raphael, on his way to Arizona State. And I think of some of the wide receiver targets, those are the ones that we know of, right? These are the dudes that we know Oklahoma was in on. Right. The uh, offensive line guys, at least just the ones that off the top of my head, Keandre Jones, the Auburn offensive lineman, he is headed to Florida State. Javion Cohen, big offensive lineman out of Alabama. He's going to Miami. And I think I saw the kid out of Tulsa is on his way to Auburn. So for those that you were in – and that – that was just a quick – of course, Sean McCullough ended up signing with Oklahoma, and he's on campus. Lacey. Uh, Lacey signed with Stogner. Oklahoma. Stogner. Kendall Doby, I guess you, we have to include on that list. So those are the four that are in, but that's just an update on some of their targets and where they ended up. And again, you know, this portal date doesn't close until the 18th. 18th. So there is a chance after, you know, the national championship game on Monday, maybe a week of thinking, you see – a few more guys that might jump in there because, you know, portal might close on the 18th, but that doesn't mean your recruitment ends on the 18th and you have that second signing day that's coming up. But those are just a handful of guys that Oklahoma was believed to be in on and ended up somewhere else. And real quick, I haven't been able to find where guys like Clayton Smith has ended up. Joshua Eaton has been, I guess you could say, crystal ball to SMU. Uh, Kendall Davis is off to USF, South Florida. Obviously, Theo East, Missouri, Nick Evers to Wisconsin. But as far as guys like Alton Tarber, Bryson Washington, uh, Kevontae Henry, Brian Darby, among others, I mean, really, Cedric Roberts at Texas State, it's been kind of quiet on those that are headed out and where they ended up. And, of course, we, we spent way too much time on Joseph Huete the other day anyway. But there's an update from what I've been able to find on some targets and where they ended up. If you guys know of any that I missed, hey, we're here all day. And trust me, you will not shy away from your opinion on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. True Sooner on the Riverwind Casino jackpot line. Wrap up hour one for me. What's going on, True? Man, it's going to be interesting over the next 10 years, you know, kind of piggybacking on what you guys are talking about with TCU. I mean, the foundation, we always hear about the foundation. I'm not, not taking shots at Brent or anything, but we're always hearing about that, how fast he was able, Sonny Dykes was able to build that thing so quick. Um, and, you know, they're kind of – I know they're the exception to the rule, you know, but, but if they win this thing, I think there is something said for them to be down in the Dallas metro area. I, I don't know 
you know, I'm not saying they'll beat OU out on a lot of recruits, but I mean, this could hurt Texas more than it could hurt OU. I think. Uh, just and A&M. Uh, and A&M. and A and M. Yeah, and I, I and think, Houston. Yep. And you name it. You know, so I mean, before people just kind of poo-poo this whole thing and say, "Well, it's just an anomaly; it that never happened. You're not going to win national titles with three stars." I mean, this is how guys go. This is how programs go from getting three stars to getting four and five stars. That's right, no doubt. I mean, we saw it with Clemson. You know what I mean? It happened. And I'm not. I know they don't have the foundation down there. They don't have the money that Texas and OU has got. But I mean, it's not like TCU came out of nowhere. They have been knocking on the door. I mean, they probably should have gotten into the Final Four, what, seven, eight, ten years ago, whatever it was now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 14. I mean, it's not like it's not like to just come out of you know nowhere to do I was going to ask you guys real quick, what do you guys think about this Texas stuff that's going on? I, I don't know if you've mentioned the coach throwing a fit down there on the field, Sark, Sarkasian, when the team was, you know, and then the stuff with the softball coach and the stuff with the – with the obviously with the basket, I mean, there's a mm-hmm. lot of. I mean, I I'd be kind of embarrassed right now if yeah. I was a Texas fan. What's I have your a, thoughts on that. I have a take on that. I'll get to it next. I appreciate yeah. it. You yeah. have a good one. Thanks, Drew. See you, man. You're like the, you're like the, um, the true Jedi, right? You can kind of sense where he's going, and you get him back in the right direction. It's like you guys talk a lot off the air or something, Josh. <laughs> it's like you have conversations with True. You know where he's going. Um, <laughs> I I am a decipherer. I am not someone who is outraged over the Sark thing. I, I wouldn't classify myself as outraged either. I think it's ridiculous, though. Right, but, I mean, you've been around some of those people when they're empowered on Bull Day. We'll, go, we'll get into it now. I'm, I know, so they need a fire. How come well, they, Sark hasn't they, been fired yet? They don't need to Stop fire it. him, but. They can fire, fire him for he, not winning more games. Yeah, he needs to be a little bit more mindful of sure. the way he behaves. Quick break. It's Plank Show.